0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Zollett. And I'm Larkin Bell. Welcome to our season one finale of our podcast, A Female Lens. Yes, it's been a great season and we're so excited for what is to come.
1: So stay tuned for season two. This week, we chat about South by Southwest and the amazing women that represented uh, at the festival. And we talked to producer Hadil Reda. hmm hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. welcome to this week's women in film in the News we're discussing South by Southwest and the amazing female directors that rocked it at this year's festival
0: yeah. So, we have some facts and tidbits that we want to share with you all. We were not at the festival, but um, we're pretending like we were. (laughs) (laughs) So, very exciting. Women directed 60% of the films screening in this year's competition, which is pretty huge. And women were behind the camera um, to direct or co-direct more than half of the feature-length films. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. And I think that, like, anyone that's like,
1: oh, there's not enough to achieve gender parity. I mean... South By just showed that. Yeah. I mean, that's already false, but you know, mm-hmm. here we
0: go. Here we go. <laughs> Seven out of 10 features in the documentary category and five out of 10 in the narrative feature competition were directed by women. Awesome. Yeah. Women basically took home the awards. So we want to share that with you. Um, the Grand Jury Award in the narrative feature competition went to Josephine McCarris' Alice, Which is about... It's about a picture-perfect marriage collapsing when a wife discovers that
1: her husband has spent all of their money, including her inheritance from her father. And in order to move on, rebuild, she turns to pursuing sex work. Yeah. Which is a story that... We don't see very often. No. So it's exciting that that uh, was at the festival and it did so well and earned
0: Mm -hmm. earned that award. Yeah. And another one, uh, the other Grand Jury Award in the documentary competition went to Wad Al-Khateb and Edward Watts' For Sama. There was also an award for the Best Ensemble. Yes. We wanted to talk about that one. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there was a special jury recognition for Best Ensemble and that was given to Karen Main's Yes, God, Yes which was about um, a Catholic teenager girl who is overcome with guilt about her masturbation habit. And Natalia Dyer uh, stars, um, she's from Stranger Things, and she's awesome. And I thought it was pretty cool because basically the jury, I guess, just thought everyone was so great acting-wise um, that instead of giving a Best Actor-Actress award, they gave a Best Ensemble award.
1: A couple other films that we want to shout out. One is Jezebel, directed by Numa Perrier. She uh, made her featured di- directorial debut with this film. And a couple of really cool things about the film, it really was a truly indie film, micro-budget, newcomers in front of and behind the camera, and they ended up selling out every screening at the festival, which is awesome and the the film Jezebel is a story of coming of womanhood and it's specifically black womanhood she uh Numa Perrier the director um was headed right to New Orleans after South by to direct an episode of Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar yeah Um, uh, which is amazing basically Ava gave her that her episodic directorial debut with this episode um which is super cool and Ava really puts her her money where her mouth is. Truly, like, so truly. so supportive. Giving Whether. opportunities
0: everywhere. Yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah.
1: And then another film we heard a lot about was Olivia Wilde's Booksmart. It was her directorial debut starring Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deaver. And it's, how, it's basically about two overachieving teens at the end of high school, like kind of deciding to go a little wild Mm -hmm. at the end of it. And, um, it looks really great. So I'm excited to see that one too. And that's our roundup. Yeah.
0: So congrats to all the women filmmakers at South by and let's keep going. Vinovore is a wine and goods shop with a focus on female winemakers with hundreds of unique and hand-picked bottles from all over the world with something for everyone.
1: Stop by the store in Silver Lake, order online, or join their monthly wine club subscription for a hand-picked selection of wines each month, as well as great perks like 10% off all in-store purchases.
0: Check it out in-store or online at vino-vore.com. That's v-i-n-o-v-o-r-e.com. And now here's our interview with Hadil Retta, a successful independent producer and executive producer who just signed a production deal with Forest Films. Enjoy. Thanks so much for joining us today, Hadil. How did
1: you discover producing? And was this always the end goal or was it a gradual discovery?
2: I have always been interested in storytelling. So when I was younger, I wasn't My parents would say I wasn't very, I wasn't very good at much, but I was really good at telling stories and I was good at writing. And by the time I was, um, looking to go to college, it was just a natural fit. I'm like, I want to go to film school. I actually, I think I want to make movies. So it's really been since I was 16 years old, I wanted to tell stories. The producing part of it came into place when, um, I was actually at, I went to Emerson College in Boston, and the producing part came when the one of my professors was like, you know, you're really kind of good at seeing the talents in other people and telling them what to do. And I'm like, oh, I just thought I was really kind of bossy. But he would he would say, yeah, you know, just put together a production and find the best people in the class, and I, that's what I would do. I would find the best people in every class that had a talent for cinematography, for writing, for acting, and I would make these movies. So I was really producing you know, in, in college. So the, I think the gradual part of producing to me that came after was the executive producing. Because when I graduated Emerson, and I was interning on a show called Against the Law. And Dan Blatt, um, God rest his soul, he was a big TV producer at the time based here at Warner Brothers. He hired me as his uh, assistant. And he, ta- you know, he taught me the ropes. But one of the things he really taught me was uh, putting together a movie and financing a movie. And how creative that can also be. So there was um, a gradual sort of segue into executive producing after I left film school, and I really enjoyed um, you know putting together the financing, the distribution, as well as putting together the films. so that I just it was broadening what I started at school.
1: Yeah, producing seems like such a rare combination of understanding the artistic um, sensibility of the story that you're telling and also the ability to execute all these tasks to make it happen. Um, and that's not a question, but that it just stru- stru- uh, yeah. struck me when you were talking about that.
2: It's like you're using both sides of your brain yeah for sure because there's a taskmaster part of it where you have to make sure things are done and the detail has to be there and then there's this creative airy part of it where you have to let things kind of flow you can't be so rigid you have to be flexible because that's how the creativity happens and I actually think that is what makes a really good producer because a lot of a lot of people have one or the other, and I think we all do to various degrees, and we prefer cer- certain areas over others. But um, that's exactly right, and I, I feel like I feel like producing is underestimated because of that, because people tend to think of producers as almost coordinators, like oh, you just put all these people together, and then they do all this creative stuff and you just, you know, are there to host the party, so to speak. But it's so much more than that.
0: Can you talk a little bit about the differences in your responsibilities and work as an executive producer and as a producer and what considerations you have when going into a project as one position or the other?
2: So producing is more of the I came up with this idea or I found this book or I found this script or wouldn't this make a great film? And then you put all of your time and effort, your sweat equity, your money, whatever it is into it to build this project and build momentum for it. Um, Whereas executive producing, you found something that a producer has put together in that fashion, that you want to help relieve them from some, from the burden they're carrying to take it to the next level and package it and put together the financing and distribution for the movie. So that's the distinction, and I do both, and I like to do both, uh, because I think that keeps... A broader spectrum of projects going and there's always going to be the passion projects that I've just put all of my my own money and heart into but then there's also the projects that people have already put together and I can I can help facilitate that Heartbreakers was a good example of that because I put together financing for that film um, it was a David Merkin film with Scorny Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt and it needed half of its budget it was like it was pretty pretty big budget so um i was running a company called winchester at the time and we put together all of the funds in 30 days for this film uh i lost my hair it grew back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, it, it, but it was very rewarding. And again, it was still a very creative process because when you're selling a film, it's you have to convey somebody else's vision of this movie as though it's your own to whoever's buying it. A distributor who's going to be putting up millions of dollars or an investor who's putting up millions of dollars, they have to feel the passion behind it. They have to feel like it's something that you are going to deliver on that you're not going to leave halfway through when the going gets tough. So it's, it's rewarding, but not in the same way as something that you conceived from the start and have put together. But I couldn't tell you which is better because I actually they're, they're equal to me.
1: Producers can often wear many different hats throughout the life of a production. What's
2: your favorite part or phase of producing? My favorite part of producing is probably development and editing. Those are my two favorite parts because those are the areas where you see the story from beginning to end. Whereas production, you're shooting day by day. It's... It's very hectic. It's creative because you know you you're you have a certain amount of momentum going every day, and you have to deliver on the film. So there, there's a different kind of excitement about production. But when you're developing a story with a writer and working with a director, and you're shaping it, and you're creating the emotional uh, threads of a character. That, to me, is it's probably my favorite part. And then when you're finished with the craziness of production and you get to the editing room and you realize what you have or what you don't have, you kind of do that process all over again just based on what, what footage you have and what the actors actually gave you to work with and what the director decided to do. And, it, okay, maybe it's different from the script, but you're telling that story again. So those, I think, are my two favorite areas. Many
0: of the films that you've worked on are in the action, sci-fi, and thriller genres. And we were curious if these are also your favorite genres of film to just watch when you're watching films. And we're wondering what most excites you about making films in these genres.
2: Well, I've made a lot of genre films. That's for sure. So in my younger years, I made 16 Blocks with Bruce Willis that Dick Donner directed, and I developed that script. Um, I worked with Jeremy Kleiner, who's now running Brad Pitt's company, and he was a junior executive at the time with um, Dick Donner. And I loved the concept of what the writer pitched. It was, you know, it was an exciting, intriguing concept where – um, this kind of washed up detective had to take an eyewitness across 16 blocks in manhattan to get him to the courtroom to testify it was a really exciting concept and that's sort of what i gravitated towards it was it was the just the story the the hook of it there was a hook um, same with heartbreakers mother-daughter con artist team i mean who doesn't want to see that movie i mean it's just very easy very simple to understand and really entertaining, um, into the grizzly maze was more of an homage for me for to um, my childhood because Jaws was one of my favorite movies as a kid growing up, and it was Jaws on land, and that's the way that's the way we originally had developed the script. so I think in my sort of my younger producing years, I gravitated towards commercial high concept movies as now I'm getting more mature with my taste. And I think every producer has this issue. It's what are you gravitating towards? Because that's what you're going to be passionate about. And that's the story you're going to put your heart into um, telling. So the last, uh, the recent films I've done with uh, Forest Films has been, of a different uh, genre. Uh, One was uh, called the American wrestler, the wizard. And that was a story about an immigrant uh, from Iran who escaped hardships and came to the US and faced bullying and discrimination. And he put all his effort into overcoming that through wrestling. And it's a beautiful story. And I, I think it's very universal in that sense. And then Ride is the most recent film that I just worked on um, starring Ludacris. And it's also it's based on a true story of John Bulchins. And he also grew up in a very difficult household. He um, grew up with a skinhead father. He was put in juvenile detention. He was adopted by an interracial couple and the movies about his relationship with his black dad and how they bridged that racial conflict with each other. And they did it through the the father taught him how to ride a bike. And that's what bridged it. And he went on to become a BMX champion. So those kinds of uh, life-affirming stories have really been appealing to me lately. And that is one of the reasons I love um working with forest films is they they have a very um, similar sensibility to to the stories that I want to tell now which is human spirit you know, I think we need those stories right now I think those stories are important to tell we hear so many horror stories all the time and we don't necessarily want to see that in our entertainment And we want to be uplifted and we want the neurons in our brains to feel like there's anything we can achieve and we can overcome obstacles. And if this person can do it, well, I can do it and my kid can do it. So I'm inspired by that. I'm
1: interested by what you said about um, the idea of as you've matured, you've realized kind of what stories that you're more interested in telling. And I think that's a part of any creative person's journey. Are there certain like events? Is it just like working in the industry or just your life? And you're like, oh yeah, no, these life affirming stories, these, these themes examining like our relationships with others or are, are what are, is drawing me to work on now.
2: I do think when you're younger, you're a little bit more egocentric, you know, and I think that's just a, that's just a general, you know, biological thing. I think, um, as you, As you experience more in the world and um, you kind of see what the world needs, you just, I think that's a very natural progression. I think also for, for me, I had a baby, you know, I had a child and that changes your perspective greatly because you're thinking, well, what, what am I leaving for her? What am I leaving for her generation? And, what lessons do I want her to learn and how do I want to lead by example um, for just how to be, how to be a person, how to be a human? And since I'm in this industry as opposed to another industry, that's, that's sort of the, the, um, you know, the tool I'm going to use is storytelling.
1: Can you tell us about what prompted you to start your own production company, Purple Pictures, and what you learned from running your own business?
2: I used to work for a company called Winchester, and it was a pretty big company. It was publicly traded, and I was on the board of that company, and we were uh, an international film finance, sales, and production company. And I loved it, I loved every bit of it. I got to make great movies, I put together slates, I set up movies at studios. When um, when I started Purple Pictures, I I had a one partner, and we got to focus in on exactly what we wanted to make. It was less films, a smaller slate, but it was um it was it's challenging it was definitely challenging starting your own company in this business and we we financed uh two films we financed um, the development for the hottie and the Naughty which was um, a Paris Hilton movie, which I'm still, you know, it was... It, that was such a raw deal we got on that movie. That was, it's, it was It was a cute little movie. The critics killed it before the movie was even released. And it's a shame, but it's funny now because I see it pop up all over the place and it's a little bit of a, a cult classic with like 13-year-old girls, so that's kind of nice to see. And um, we made... We did the development for um, Into the Grizzly Maze, which ended up getting financed through uh, another investor, which I had to still put together all the financing for outside of the company. But when you have your own company, you know, you got to pay the bills, you got to pay the overhead, you got to make the films work. And if they're not perfect, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you have to just keep Moving, You don't have the luxury of having a slate of 15 movies that you can bounce back and forth from. So that was that was really a, a growth experience for me running a company on my own. And I had just had a baby. So that was like, who's all kind of at the same time? <laughs> but um, but yeah, I still enjoy working independently. I love working with and, and collaborating with like-minded producers like Ali Afshar at uh, Forest Films. We we have the same sensibilities. We're very complementary in how we work together as a producing team on these films. So, um, so yeah. So
0: we're a creative team ourselves and you mentioned you work with Ali a lot as a producing team together could you talk a little bit about how that started and what it's like working together
2: so I met Ali Afshar about four years ago he had the script called American Wrestler I think I had just finished um I into the Grizzly Maze or I, I just finished a production and he he came to me we met through a a film financier mutual friend of ours and he had American wrestler which I loved the story because it was as an immigrant I could relate to it Ali is also an immigrant and we instantly bonded on this the story of this character um which is basically his life story so he asked if I would come on board and and help produced the film with him and we had such a great experience together and he was just terrific to work with he's just a force to be reckoned with he really even though he came from another industry came from you know the car racing he was a champion car racer but he jumped into the film business and um, worked with the same speed that he was racing and like he just knew how to get movies done and we, um, we developed this script together and had it in production, you know, within months. And um, we cast John Voight and Bill Fickner. And the film scored really high. Like, it's one of those films, I think, because everybody involved made it from their heart. And I think, you know, our director was French. And, you know, he was also an immigrant. Like, we all understood the essence of this story so um, that was the first collaboration and then we did he asked me to do ride which was a story that he actually found he ran into John Bolchin somewhere heard his story and he came to me and said we've got to make this guy's story it's 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 in the vein of American Wrestler in the sense that it's a true triumph of the will story. It has has a good sports element to it. And so we developed that together as well. And again, this film's testing really well and um, uh, we're going to, we're playing on a theatrical release for Ride sometime in the fall.
1: What makes you excited to green light a project or to, to be like, yes, I'm going to work
2: on this and move forward with it? Uh, getting paid. Love that. <laughs> we're here for that. <laughs> because when you're working three years on a project for free and on your own time, the idea of green light literally means green, like money, like Oh, somebody's gonna pay me to work on my movie? This is terrific. Um, But I think, yeah, what excites me now about greenlighting a movie is just, it's really, it's just putting something together to the point where other people have also come on board and said, hey, we wanna make this movie, you know, that all of your hard work resonates with others and now it's like a blank canvas to go and you know it's another adventure to go and make this movie and casting the movie and just putting the crew together I mean it is it is very exciting to start any process of any film that is sort of the best that best part when your film is greenlit What is a
0: common misconception you feel people have regarding film financing and
2: the distribution world? I would assume that people think it's not a creative area. Um, And you always have to be creative in terms of how you put together money and how you're putting together investors, how you're putting together a bank loan with your investor, with soft money. There's so many people that you're managing and you're managing their their finances and their money and they're relying on you and you do have to be creative because everybody has a different need and everybody has a different requirement and sometimes all those pieces don't fit together you know exactly like from A to Z so you you have to be creative in that regard and I also think people assume it's easier than it is um I think most people you know your your typical audience doesn't understand what goes on um, in putting together financing for a movie and putting together distribution for a film i mean a producer is really on a movie from just start of pre-production not even taking into account the years that a producer has had a project from start of pre-production to the time a film is released, it could be three to four years sometimes. That whole process and taking it to the festivals, building momentum with distributors, and then getting a distributor and working with them on what the best plan is and seeing it through. And it's really a huge, huge commitment. It's not just making a movie, being happy with it, and then you're done. And because you are so vested, you don't leave your film ever until like you're doing until the premiere, you know, and even still after that, you're still with your with your movie. And I think that is a necessary um, part of producing just that commitment, you know, whether you're compensated or not, like you this, this is something you have to see through because ultimately you are the one that cares about the movie from beginning to end.
1: What is your vision, both for your own work and for the industry moving forward? You kind of touched on this a little bit before about leaving
2: something for your child. Yeah, it's telling telling stories that you hope will stick around, which will resonate, which will change somebody's perception. I mean, if not their lives in some way or another, um, I think I've seen some of that with Ride when we screen it at festivals and even American Wrestler. When people come up to you and say, that really just changed my whole perspective. I feel like I'm not alone anymore. I feel like I can handle whatever's on my plate because this character was spoke to me in some way. Um, so in that regard, I'd like that's that's sort of your your duty I think you're giving back and then I think in terms of the film business in general it's changed so much since I started you know almost 30 years ago I would hope and I'm seeing some of those changes now that it's just a better working environment for people that there's um, more respect for the artist and so then there's less need for you know unions to be so like, you know, involved in everything that we are respecting the artists on our own, just as people, just as mutual respect. Um, and it's just, you know, just, just better norms, just better norms for all of us. So that, you know, not only the movies that we're making are leaving an impact, but the way we're conducting ourselves as a industry. Is more of an example for people. I'm really interested
1: in what you were saying about the producer collaborating with all the different people that are part of the production. What would be your advice to young filmmakers looking for those collaborators and and finding them at the start of their career?
2: I think it's finding those like-minded people. I mean, I think creativity finds creativity. I think when you're when you're um, gravitating towards certain stories, pay attention to the other people that are gravitating towards those stories, and hold on to them, you know, work with those people, like from an early age in the business, creating those relationships is very important. And sometimes younger people in the business don't really, they're not really paying attention to that, because there's so many people and there's, they've you know, their whole future ahead of them, and they're just moving forward. So pay attention to the people that are responding to your work, that are respecting your work, um, respect their work, and, and develop and grow those relationships, because in a few years moving forward from that, they might be, re- they might be a partner, you know, and they, they might be somebody that... Um, that can really help you or that you rely on, or you can help them. That's it's just, it's important to, um, to kind of take care of each other at, 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 from the onset. And I do, I do think it's, we don't cultivate that very much in our business because kids get out of film school and they start the business and they're just, they're just running, you know, they're just running to get ahead and create their own stamp and, and, they don't think about those collaborations sometimes until later. So take the opportunity right away, I would say. We
1: end with our rapid response segment 321 action. 3. What's the film that has been most influential for you or your favorite, the one that's coming to mind right
2: now? Okay, my most influential film is obscure, but it's a film called The Sweet Hereafter by Adam Mogoyen. It was made in like 1997, but it was the first or one of the first non-linear storytelling films and it was brilliant. And it was about a bus, a, a school bus, um, with children in it. And the way he tells the story, I just, it affected me from the get go. Two, dream person you would like to work with? Steven Spielberg, because I love the way he tells the story. You can entertain and also just pull on your heartstrings and Viola Davis, because she's just a strong woman that you just want to work with (laughs) and she's got great hair. (laughs) One best advice you've ever received. Um, Stay passionate, but don't get emotional. And action, what are you most looking forward to right now? I'm most looking forward to the release of my upcoming movie Ride because I do think it's going to change the world.
0: (laughs) Amazing. And where can people follow you? Are you on Twitter?
2: I'm not on Twitter, but forest-films.com. Is a good place to go for the all the upcoming slate of Forest Films and Ride will be coming there soon. So and it's Forest with two R's.
0: Great, great.
1: Thanks so much for chatting with us. Thank you very much.
0: You can find us at afemalelens.com and at afemalelens on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at afemalelens at gmail.com. And you can download the show anywhere you listen to podcasts and on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you left us a review. Our theme song was composed by Jesse
1: Nelson. Our logos are by Megan Cafferty. This podcast is produced by Jennifer Zollett and Larkin Bell.